Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. So this morning, we're going to be looking at one of the great characters of the Bible, one of my favorites, for some inspiration and some guidance in today's climate of fear. We will be reading through the story in Joshua, the book of Joshua, where Caleb claims his inheritance. And this is found in the book of Joshua in chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. Um, This morning, I'm going to be jumping between Joshua and Numbers, because this part of the story that we're reading is the second part to a two-part story. So, just a bit of a recap before we get into um, the the verses, our, our text for this morning. Israel had spent the last few years moving through the land of Canaan after wandering the desert for 40 due to their unbelief. Moses would let the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses, sorry, who let the Israelites out of Egypt was now dead. And Joshua was the new leader of Israel. They have seen victory after victory, establishing their new boundaries as they moved through this promised land. The book of Joshua chronicles their journey to occupy the land of Canaan. And it's a story of God's presence and power as he leads the Israelites through this new promised land. Over the last few weeks, we have been following Israel's journey in our series. And we've walked our way through the book of Joshua. The importance, some of the themes that came through, the importance of knowing, of trusting and obeying. I passed the dawn. Waiting, following and expecting God to move And last week we heard from Pastor Steve about how having assurance that God was with us, that faith requires requires us to step out and move. And when we do so, this is when we see miracles. And this is when we see God move. Now we arrive at Joshua 14. And if you have your Bibles, and I see a lot of you do, um, turn with me to Joshua 14, verses 6 to 15. Um, And the title of this is Caleb's Request for His Land. I'm reading from the NIV version. Verse 6, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still strong. Sorry. I am as still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out and battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. In the King James Version, it says, Therefore, give me this mountain which the Lord spoke in that day. 
you yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And verse 13. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest from war. What a great story. Now, as I said before, this is a two-part story, and we will be visiting the first part really, really soon. And this is Caleb's story. Um, in the second part, as I said before, and conclusion of his appearance in the Bible. What we're going to do now is we're going to revisit the first part. So I hope it's not too much trouble on your fingers. Um, but we're going to go back to the book of Numbers. So if you want to just flip out to the book of Numbers, hold your thumb there just for the time being. Um, just a couple of things. Caleb uh, means wholehearted, funnily enough single-minded, um, and a name that really, really befits him, in my opinion, anyway. And we are, we're going to be jumping over to Numbers 13. And this is 40 years or 45 years before the events that we've just read. Um, and just a little bit of a background here. Israel has been under the rule of Egypt for generations. Moses, upon leading in the direction of Yahweh, returns from exile and sees great miracles occur to change the mind of Pharaoh and to release the Israelites. They fled Egypt and arrived in the land of Canaan. Caleb was chosen, so this is after they've left um, Egypt, and Caleb was chosen with 11 others as a, as a representative of their tribes to go forth and spy out the land, and then to report back to Moses and the leaders of Israel. They discovered that the land was rich and abundant in its soil, fertile, and resources were plentiful. However, the land was already occupied. And I'm just going to pick up from Numbers 13 and verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into this land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take the possession of, this, of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great of a great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, coming from the, came from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The report caused the Israelites to become afraid, and they grumbled and complained against Moses and Aaron. And some even suggested returning back to Egypt. Joshua and Caleb the other two spies spoke up and urged the Israelites to trust in God and not be afraid of the people in the land. Despite their plea, the people turned against them and even wanted to stone them. Moses and Aaron, the leaders of Israel, fell at the feet of the Israelites. And God wasn't happy. 
He saw their unbelief manifest in fear and disobedience, and he became angry with the Israelites and threatened to strike them down with the plague. But Moses interceded on, the behalf, on their behalf sorry, and pleaded for their forgiveness. God forgave them, but punished them by, allowing them by not allowing them to enter the promised land, and instead they would wander the wilderness for the next 40 years until the current generation had died. Only Joshua and Caleb, the two spies who urged the Israelites to trust in God, were allowed to enter the promised land. The land that was promised to Caleb here is where we find ourselves in today's text. Okay, before we go back to Joshua 15, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but before we go back to Joshua 15, we're going to talk about a couple of things. The thing that I, that I was struck by is that all of these spies that entered into Canaan, including Joshua and including Caleb, all of them would have experienced the exact, almost the exact same things from their birth. All of them. Every single leader or spy from the tribes, all of them would have experienced the exact same things as Joshua and Caleb. They would have exactly the same type of environment. All of them, from their birth, were born into a race of slaves and servants, servants sorry, under a brutal dictator and ruler in Egypt. All of them. They would have started out that way. All men would have heard of Moses' return. There would have been rumors and talks of this man coming back to be their savior. All of them would have seen the supernatural events that took place as Moses demanded their emancipation. They would have all seen it, all heard it. They would have seen the splitting of the Red Sea. They would have seen the defeat of the armies of Egypt and all the other miracles that had led them up to this point, all of them. They had seen the promised land and its abundance. And all of them, including Joshua and Caleb, would have seen the fortified cities and towns with their enormous citizens. And yet their attitudes and faith and reaction were vastly different. Up until this point, all men saw God's goodness, faithfulness and deliverance regularly, regularly, with their own eyes. Yet when it came time to fight, to action, to claim what God had already ordained for this nation, we see all but two of the men's hearts falter. To really, really explore this, um, we just don't have the time today. That's another sermon in its own, its own series, I guess, or own series of sermons. But we can quickly pull out a couple of lessons from here. The different responses were a manifestation of what they truly believed in their hearts. This was the real faith test, I guess, for the nation. The response of fear or courage boiled down to whether they believed in God, in the God of the promise. We see that the faith of the Israelite spies were actually in themselves. We look like grasshoppers and they see us the same. Even after all they had seen God do before their very own eyes, their trust was ultimately in themselves and their own ability. Their own, their own unbelief 
resulted in their disobedience out of fear. And Caleb was different. Like his name suggests, like his name suggests, he had a wholehearted, genuine faith. He knew who God was and was all in wholeheartedly. He didn't see the giants and the obstacles. He saw God's promise and he knew God was faithful. It's an important point. He knew God was faithful. All he needed to do was be obedient and to do what he was supposed to do. There's a story of a family that awoke one night to find that the house was in flames. They all rushed out of the building and they realized a son is still upstairs. Frantically, the father of the child, the frantically, the father begs the child to jump out of his window. The child doesn't need another second. He flings himself into the arms of his dad. Similarly, with this type of faith, with this type of knowledge of who the father was, we see Caleb. Caleb knew where and who his trust lies in. No hesitations, he was jumping because he was confident that he would get caught. Now this is important. I, wanna, I really want to really stress this. This is important. This wasn't just a blind faith built on emotion, sorry, emotion and wishful thinking. This faith and confidence was built and grown as he saw God's hand move upon his life and upon the lives of the Israelites. From the deliverance of bondage and slavery to defeating the armies of Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, all these things he had seen further solidified his confidence in Yahweh, in God. And as a consequence of his faith and his obedience, God promises him and Joshua, the only two from that generation, a share in the promised land. The Israelites had seen the same things, but had quickly forgotten what God had done for them. They looked to themselves, as I said before, as their own saviors, and unsurprisingly, were filled with fear as they could never measure up to what was required of them. This led to their disobedience and subsequent banishment to the wilderness. Now, as I'm saying this, how easily can I see myself in this? How easily... This is why I love reading the Bible sometimes. Man, it puts up a mirror in front of you. It really puts up a mirror in front of you. How easily do I read myself in that text, in the tin? Now, we fast forward 45 years to Joshua 14. And Caleb comes to Joshua because he still remembers this promise. And he's here to claim what God had promised him. Which raises an important point, by the way, that this promise was given among other people who confirmed it. That's an important thing to note. And we have learned that Caleb has a heart that is wholehearted, trusting, and, is, and has great confidence in God. He did not fear, or let fear, sorry, he, he did not let fear or the possible challenges get in the way of his pursuit of God and his promises. He also didn't let his age or time dampen his resolve to fulfill what God had promised. Some of the big lessons that we can learn from Caleb. Number one, in verse number 12, 
is pray and ask. Boldly approach God and make your requests known. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Caleb was confident in his approach. And he knew the one that he was asking of. In 1 John 5 verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In verse 15, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Confidently make your requests known in line with His will. This is especially, this word is especially, I believe this word is especially for those who've heard the voice and promises of God in their lives and for whatever reason, whatever reason, age, timing, giants, whatever it might be, I believe this is for you. Please don't let fear keep you from obeying God. I'll say that again. If that's you, you've heard the promises of God, you've heard His will, you know His will, and for whatever reason, you've been wandering away, when wandering around, please don't let fear keep you from obeying God. And as a church, as we move and navigate our way through a fear-drenched world, don't let us be disobedient to the call of God on us. Don't let disobedient, don't let us be disobedient to the call of God on us because of fear, because of anxiety. We serve a good and gracious God, one who has delivered again and again and again and again. If we were to take the time to list everything that God has done for us, every prayer He answered, every time we've seen Him move, and even the times that we may not have seen Him move, but afterwards in hindsight, we did. We'd have books and books and books of our own lives of where we've seen His goodness and grace and movement. Okay? He's a good God. And when we approach Him, let's do so with boldness and with faith in who He is. A God that delivers on His promises. Let us continually meditate on His Word, but also let us go back, revisit, remember the countless times that He has shown Himself to be faithful when we have followed His leading. My second point, first point was pray and ask. Second point, be prepared to move, to proceed. After we've made our requests known, we are to make ourselves, sorry, make ourselves available and prepare to be obedient. This is Joshua in verse 11. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. And in verse 12, you yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Just as he said. Obedience will require you to move. Steps of, steps of faith are required as we move on our journey with God and in his will. Individually and as a church. Last week, if you haven't had the chance to, please go back and listen to our last three weeks worth of sermons. Last week in particular, Pastor Steve spoke about this very thing. 
the story of Peter leaving the boat to meet Jesus in the storm. Now, remember, Jesus had sent the disciples ahead in a boat, and a storm had blown up, and the disciples were in there petrified. Jesus walks out on the water, walks out to them, and calls Peter. And then Peter walks to him. And this is the point that Pastor Steve made, which is crucial. There is a natural step before the supernatural occurs. I thought that was profound. There is a natural step before the supernatural occurs. Be prepared to proceed. Don't let the possible obstacles or giants or fear keep us from being obedient. When, when God's will is confirmed, there is a gap between where you end and where His power begins. Don't hesitate to jump across. Our third point today. After prayer and after we've proceeded, then it's the time to possess, to take hold. To firmly take hold of the promises in obedience. To possess is to make something yours, to own it. When you possess something, especially the promises of God, you have an air of respect around it. You hold on it, you hold on to it with a sense of gratitude. Holding on to the promises of God will require daily acts of sacrifice and surrender to God so that the decisions you make and the direction you move with the promises is what God has in His will for you to do. It is after we have prayed about the promises of God, proceeded and moved with obedience and taken hold of what He has in store is where we will find deep peace in the assurance that we are in the will of God. I don't think there's anything else in the world that can bring you peace than knowing that you are obedient in the will of God. Please hear me though. Please hear me though. This is not a promise of a trouble-free life. This is not a promise of a trouble-free life. It doesn't say... Sorry, where was I? A trouble-free life. If anything, if anything, even Jesus stresses this, if anything, this is a call to take up your cross yes. and follow Christ. And following Christ is like heading, in, heading sorry, into the hill country. The giants and the battles are inevitable. However, the Bible promises us peace. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which trans transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In a world that's so fast, so full of fear, anxiety, we are being offered this hope. Not only that, we are also being offered peace. Deep, unexplainable peace. Something that some of us, most of us, if not all of us, and so many others desperately need. 
the antidote to a slippery and ever-moving and changing ground underneath us is to have our rock-solid hope in Jesus Christ. To be obedient and follow Him. Because our faith and confidence is rooted in who He is. That He is who He says He is. That He is a promise keeper. Our promise keeper. And just like Caleb, we can depend on Him wholeheartedly. And the very first steps, I guess the natural step in this case, the very first natural step is to completely surrender to God. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.